You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, the boys invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan. Hello. <laughs> Coming up on today's show, we're going to recap all of the things that have been keeping us entertained since late 2018. The movies, the TV shows, the podcast. We won't have time to get in depth with it all, but we'll at least shout out at least some of the things that we can remember. There is one notable omission to our list of things that we're discussing, and that is Red Dead Redemption 2. I know we've touched on it a couple of times on this podcast, but I figure I have to give you the opportunity to complete the game so we can do one of our proper spoiler-filled reviews when it's time. I haven't even really started the game, but I'm hoping over the next couple of weeks I will be able to do that. I don't have a lot going on. Uh, Poker-wise, there was a big event on the other side of the world. That's the Aussie Millions. Jason Somerville and his ragtag band of streamers. They handled the broadcast for that. We've got one of them as our guest on today's show. His name is Ricky Guan, a.k.a. Rated GTO. Uh, he'll tell us what he can what he can about what went on down under, and we'll hear a little bit about his life as a PokerStars NJ streamer as well. I'd like to think that I sort of paved the way for the NJ streamers, James, with my legendary... You knew we were going to have to talk about the legendary no again. delay stream, the legendary no delay second place finish. Anyway, we'll talk to Ricky about that. See if he's ever heard of that legendary stream later on in the show. Six plus Hold'em has been a thing on Poker Stars for a couple of weeks now. We're going to get some reviews from a couple of the poker in the ears listeners who've been playing and streaming the game. That's cool. We got people streaming six plus already. And uh, speaking of listeners, Brad Morrison, he's been a longtime fan of the show. Other shows we've done this week. He's coming on the podcast to challenge me to UFC trivia for Superfan versus Stapes. We got lots to get through today, though. So let's get on with it. Hardigan, talk to me. What's going on in poker today? Now it is time for Poker in the Years News. Headlines that are dominated by various PokerStars ambassadors, Joe. Yeah. Lex Veldhaus has won another Sunday MTT, this time the $109 Sunday starter. Um, Spraggy won the big 109 last Friday. And he won another tournament like two days ago. He won like uh, a knockout tournament, like a 1650 or $1,600, but he won two tournaments in the last week, I know, because I thought he was... Uh, I thought he was just retweeting his old win, but no, he's won two tournaments this week. <laughs> and Igor Kurganov continues to crush in the high roller club, winning lots of the big cash monies. Uh, as you mentioned, though, Joe, big event down under. The Aussie Millions has now concluded. And every year, the Aussie Millions main event seems to have a big name winner. Bryn Kenny took down this year's Aussie Millions main event, beating a field of 822 winning nearly $1 million US dollars following a three-way deal. Elsewhere, Carrie Katz took down the 100K challenge. And Toby Lewis, who won the Aussie Millions main event last year, won the 50K challenge. Yes, and I spoke to Toby about coming on the show. He was totally down, but uh, he's still in that part of the world. And apparently when we record, is about 3 o'clock in the morning there. So oh. I'd like to get Toby another time if you guys are down for it. But... Uh, we haven't got a ton of suggestions from you guys for who you'd like to have on the show. So remember, use that hashtag, Poker in the Ears, and uh, let let me know who you want me to holler at. Because most people are down, Toby Lewis included. And did you see, James, Chino Ream 
uh, finished third place in the 25K down there. Like wow. days after our event in the Bahamas, he's in Australia playing the 25K, finishes in third place for over 400 grand. That is true dedication to the game of poker. All the grinders who do the PCA followed by the Aussie Millions. That is a hell of a way to start the year, that's for sure. Um, for the last few years... The live stream from the Aussie Millions has been exclusive to Twitch, courtesy of the team of Run It Up. And as you mentioned, Jason was out there. I believe he took Kevin Martin with him. He also took Ricky Guan with him. Ricky is the guest on this week's episode of Poker in the Ears. So let's get a proper Aussie Millions recap. Welcome to the podcast, Ricky. Hello, friends. Hello, Steve's and Mr. Hardigan. What's up, buddy? So I didn't even realize that you you got sent to Australia. We actually didn't get sent to Australia. We were broadcasting out of the Run It Up studios in Las Vegas. It was all an illusion. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> so have you ended up, uh, I know you stream mostly in New Jersey, so you flew out to Vegas, uh, I assume, and just spent like a, a couple of weeks there, a couple of days. How did that whole thing go down? Yeah, I've been doing a lot of traveling in the last few months, starting with Run It Up Reno back uh in 2018, uh, went to PCA, um, did a, a couple of stops in California, and did a couple of broadcasts from the Run It Up studios in Las Vegas in the last couple of months. When you're there broadcasting uh, basically on Australian time, what sort of hours did you have to keep? Oh, boy. We woke up at around 6 p.m. Pacific time, oh. ate breakfast, went to the studios by 8 p.m., and some of the broadcasts lasted until about 8 in the morning for us. So at least we got to see the sun come up. <laughs> I love the way you've managed to put a silver lining on that really awesomely dark cloud that you just described. And as far as the stuff that you covered, what were some of the highlights for you? Oh, boy, there were so many of them. It was an honor <laughs> to get a chance to cast such a prestigious event. And we covered both the main event that Bryn Kenny won and also the $100,000 buy-in that Carrie Katz won. But the highlight for me had to be qualifier Clinton Taylor, who made the final table off of a $130 satellite and ended up getting fourth in the tournament. But the way that final table started was amazing. He pulled off an insane bluff with four deuce offsuit and was just having the time of his life and it's just moments like that in poker that I love to be able to see. It's always so cool when the guy who you least expect to make a move makes a move at the poker table. You think, here's someone who's going to play tight, try to ladder up, at least get into a position to get second or third. And then it's like, nope, he's going to try and own the table. Yeah, and he had Bryn Kenny, who is kind of like the end boss in situations like this. Bryn's not really very ownable. Yeah, exactly. He's he's the one who is super creative, and for him to sit next to a legend like Bryn and some of the other great players at the table to be able to pull this off is, is amazing. I've watched a lot of EPT coverages over the past few years, and it's always guys like this, you know, first time making a final table that do these things that really make the show great. Yeah, I, I really like those stories. And also, I, a lot of folks in our audience sometimes get upset when it happens, but some people don't love deal-making and deals. And I know that this 
tournament uh, and it resulted in like the players chopping up the money. Did they even play it out? Can you just walk us through what happened with the deal? So yeah, this final table of seven lasted over 200 hands with the final three playing over 100 hands uh, just when it got down to those three players. Wow. And in Australia time, I'm pretty sure it was past midnight at that point because it was into the morning hours for us. And at that point, because it was so late into the night and the players were fairly even at that point, they each locked up over a million dollars. And you can't really blame the three for after a long, hard battle to lock up seven figures and to all go home very, very happy with their results in the tournament. So what ended up going down after the deal? Like, did play wrap up quickly or was it just sort of, did everyone just kind of put their money in the middle? No, they already played over 100 hands of three-handed poker and they came to the result um, at the end of it where they just chopped and Bryn Kenny was awarded the title. Look, as a guy who has done many long broadcasts, I would have absolutely no problem <laughs> if they were just like, you guys want to be done? And they were like, yep. And I was like, cool, it's over. Um, so here's the thing. For anyone who doesn't know you, Ricky, what is your story? Tell us your background and how you ended up being part of the Run It Up Collective and ended up working with Jason Somerville on the Aussie Million stream. Oh, boy, where do I even begin? I guess we have to go back to when I was a little younger I was a huge sports fan growing up, and I was also a huge math nerd growing up as well. So when I saw poker for the first time on ESPN, I saw numbers on a screen and players playing for large amounts of money and was immediately attracted to the game. But it wasn't really until college when I went to uh, SUNY Binghamton in upstate New York, where I helped start a poker club uh, there at Binghamton. And from there, we played monthly tournaments, weekly sit-and-goes, took too many trips up to Turning Stone Resort and Casino. Um, If any of my previous professors are listening, I'm sorry I missed so many of your classes. (laughs) But yeah, it was an amazing time in college to be able to help start that club. And then after college, um, I had a decision to work in business. I had a degree in management and marketing and had a strong background in sales. But it was really poker that I was super passionate about. And it wasn't too much about money or anything like that. It was a challenge to me. And that's what this game has always been. I've always wanted to strive to be one of the best in the world. And I really enjoy putting in the time to learn the game and to compete with some of the best players out there. So after I graduated from college, uh, I had a chance to put in a lot of work into poker, was kind of struggling to balance between working full time in business and also playing poker and also kind of had, I guess, a hard time with my parents um, with the decision and balancing life because they are very traditional. They don't want me playing poker and kind of being in that casino environment because they've kind of associated it with like all the degeneracy and they keep telling me stories about people, you know, losing their life savings at the casino. But I try to explain it to them that poker is a little different. You know, the environment is a little different and there's a lot of math behind the game. So for me, it was a challenge to myself. I wanted to make something of my own instead of, you know, kind of going down that traditional path. And although my parents haven't been too fond of in the beginning, 
they've been more supportive of it now that I kind of treat poker more like a business instead of them just seeing me go to the casino to gamble. Also, you have a paycheck, you know what I mean? Like you have a job and hopefully they've recognized that um, it's not just poker that you're doing, but have, you know, do they watch your streams? Do they see that you actually work? So yeah, that's something that's uh, helped things along the way. Um, it's easy to be results oriented in poker, you know, like when you're not bringing home the paycheck, they're like, well, are you actually going to do something with your life? But when you actually start showing them results or you bring home one trophy, even though it's for like a tournament that you win a couple hundred dollars in, like bringing home a trophy means a lot to them because they can see a tangible result. Like they're not going to go on Hendon Mob and be like, oh, you have, you know, $100,000 in, in cashes in the last couple of months. But if you bring home something that they can see, it's uh, it makes a world of a difference. And yeah, with the streaming and content creating that I've done in the past year or so, it's kind of opened their eyes up a little more to, you know, more than just playing poker. And that was one of the goals that I set in the beginning of 2018. I actually told my parents that I was going to give myself a one-year ultimatum. If nothing had changed for me and I was just going to continue traveling to play live tournaments, that I would stop at the end of 2018 and come home and find a real job back in New York City. But after a year, you know, getting a chance to work with Jason Somerville and run it up, starting to create content, um, doing broadcasting for Borgata, WPT, and now a bunch of Run It Up events. Uh, let's just say a lot of things has changed. And with the streaming that you do, Ricky, what do you find more satisfying when you're covering a major event like the Aussie Millions as a as a spectator, or when you're actually playing yourself and streaming your own action? They both have great aspects to it, and. There's something about growing a community that I've always enjoyed. I've seen big streamers like Jason Somerville, Kevin Martin, and all those big streamers on Twitch do it. And there was a lot of fun behind growing that community and being able to share this wonderful game with others. But then on the other side, um, I wouldn't have even gotten into content creating if I didn't get my opportunities in broadcasting to start. So there's definitely positives to, to both sides of it. And being on the East Coast, you are mainly a PokerStars NJ streamer. Yeah, so uh, at the beginning of last year, I really wanted to go down this journey of potentially creating content. And I knew the best way to do it was to allow myself to play on all these regulated sites, including yeah. PokerStars NJ. So... Uh, my group, my, my poker group called the Young Wizards that I started out this journey with, we all moved down to New Jersey, got a chance to be closer to my home casino at Borgata as well for all their live events, and also to start creating content on Twitch. And I knew in order for me to kind of reach the numbers that, that I wanted to reach, I would have to allow myself to play on Poker Stars. So the decision was move to Canada where I got to stream on Rust of World Stars or to be, you know, right next to New York and close with my family because, you know, I, I miss my family a lot. I get homesick really easily and it would be a lot easier for me to to go home from New Jersey than it is to, to travel to Canada. So we made the decision to go to New Jersey at the time and it was one of the best decisions for, for my poker career. 
um, because I got a chance to to play on all these sites, to stream Poker Stars, and to really start my journey in content creating. And when you say uh, you and your poker, what is it, Poker Wizards? Yeah, so uh, I kind of named them all the Young Wizards. It's a group of poker players all between 21 and 25, and some of the brightest talent uh, that American poker has to offer. Um, you know, we started off this this great journey of ours and just started studying a bunch together. And the decision to move in was quite the easy one because we all had goals of um, doing really well in poker and to put ourselves in a position to succeed in in poker as well. Uh, Ricky. Uh, before we get out of here, we typically uh, make the guests play a dumb game, okay? Okay, yo. <laughs> so our dumb game this week is called Hey, Ricky, You So Fine. It's actually not. I just wanted to say that. Um, <laughs> the game is actually called What's It Rated? So Ricky here is a practicer of GTO. Therefore, his stream, his online handle, is Rated GTO. Am I correct? Yeah, so... Came up with the name when I first created content, and now I stream on RatedGTO.tv. <laughs> okay, perfect. So what this game presupposes, however, is what if Ricky were a practicer of other things other than GTO? What would his stream then be rated? Okay, oh so we're so we're looking for answers in the format of Rated GXX. We're right? going to need an G example, Joe, because this is really sure. confusing. Okay, James. For example, uh, I'll have James do the... Uh, he usually gets my games right away. James, if Ricky were streaming, but instead of poker, he were doing some farming and getting weird with the genetics of the plants, he'd be rated... GMO? Rated GMO. Good. Good. That's <laughs> it. We got it. Here we go. Question number one. So, in summary, if we're looking for three letters, the first of which is G. Correct. Okay. Question one. If Ricky were not a streamer at all, but instead hosted a popular good morning show that airs on ABC in America, it would be... GMA. Rated GMA. Correct. He's on the board. He's one Let's for go. one. Let's <laughs> go. If Ricky did all of his streaming from a beach house in New Jersey with Snooki and JWoww, it would be rated... It would be rated. This one's tough. If you're not a Jersey oh Shore fan, you might not get this one. Well, I have no idea what we're talking about here. G N J. G N J. We were looking for G T L. Jim Tan Laundry. Oh, uh, which was a big, big part of that's that one. Hey, look, you don't really seem like a Jersey Shore guy. Question number three. He's one and one. If while Ricky played poker. He decided to speak about the measure of a particular country's economic value. It would be rated. Rated GDP. Rated GDP is correct. He's two for three. If Ricky's stream was mostly him talking about the Republican Party, it would be rated. G rated RP? GOP. Very close. We're looking for rated GOP. Uh, pop culture, if you struggle, you may uh, you, you may or may not get this one. Uh, question number five, if Ricky's stream was mostly references to Lucille Bluth's eldest son, it would be rated... 
Oh boy, I, I this one is, I I cannot even guess. What? How many combinations of letters do I have to get this one right? Quite a few. We're not going to make <laughs> you struggle. We're looking for rated G O B on that one. Job was the character from Arrested Development. Question number six: If Ricky did all of his poker streaming from inside a sweaty cube in a warehouse in the middle of an industrial office park in the middle of July, his stream would be rated G W S for the World Series. <laughs> Close. GPL. We were looking for rated GPL from the Global Poker League. That was it, yeah. And finally, Ricky, if Ricky's stream were a relative mystery to men but occasionally caused female ejaculation, it would be rated GXX. <laughs> Close enough. I was that one broke the mold a little bit. It was rated G spot. We were I actually for rated... prefer Ricky's oh, answer, no. so I'm going to give him the point and give him a score of three and four. It's a loss, <laughs> but at least it's not a shellacking. I need a little work on this. Uh, I'll make sure to practice up on my my pop culture, my politics, and all for for when I come back on here the next time. Ricky, I'm going to tell you what. With these games, it's never you. It's me. I. <laughs> Ricky, thank you very much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much, and I can't wait for an awesome 2019. Uh, do a little more traveling. I'm back streaming tomorrow night as well on Twitch, so can't wait to see all of my friends back on there. Poker in the ears. So, Joe, we have been putting off our pop culture chat for a couple of weeks. I think regular listeners will know that before we get into the nitty gritty, whether it's the poker news, tweets, an interview, a recap, a feature, we normally have a quick catch up on stuff we've watched, but we've shelved that conversation and we're basically going to do an an in-depth digest of stuff consumed since we last spoke, which I guess was just before Christmas. Yeah, there's been a lot going on, obviously. We've had some downtime. We've been able to watch some stuff. Traveling is when I tend to be able to watch the most things. And I traveled almost nonstop from December 20th until about uh, January 29th or so. So I was able to uh, bang out some entertainment. I will say coming up, too, in the next few weeks, we'll probably be a little bit more entertainment-minded as we don't have any events between now and Saatchi, so we might have a chance to do some more stuff. But uh, first thing I want to talk about is the Super Bowl. James, I know you're a football fan, yeah. uh, but you've been a football fan since, what, you were in your 20s? Oh, no, no, long before that. I was a super, I, okay. I, I, I got into the NFL like when I was like eight or nine, when it first started but being broadcast okay. on, on so Channel I was just wondering if you would watch the Super... If Do people in England watch the Super Bowl if they're not football fans the same way we do in America? Uh, no, in, because it's on in the middle of the night. I think you have to okay. have either a financial interest in the outcome of the game or be interested in the sport. I doubt it attracts many casual viewers. That said, it does start... At 11.30 p.m. UK time, I guess people are still going to be awake at that time on, on, a, on a Sunday night and maybe they might get hooked. They weren't going to get hooked by this game, though. It was shit. I didn't watch yeah. it live. I watched the highlights or lowlights more like. I mean, what was it at halftime? Three nothing. It's like a like a soccer game score. I found it interesting. By the way, Spraggy's tweets were hilarious about it. He was like, why would anyone want to watch such a low scoring game? I don't understand. There's only been three goals. Yeah. Um. It was a but, really, really bad game and also not the result that most people wanted. Yeah, look, I'm I'm anti-patriot, obviously, uh, for a multitude of reasons. And so that was kind of a bummer. I was actually just kind of glad it wasn't a, like a blowout. It was a frustrating game to watch. I don't 
like I don't I didn't think it was a terrible game, but also I don't care to begin with. When you hear NFL commentators talk about something being either a defensive struggle or a defensive battle, you know it's a shit game and no one's scoring any points and it's boring as hell to watch. Yeah, I mean, just for for the casual viewer, it's definitely boring. It's usually the one thing the NFL has going for it is that, you know, it's a a pretty – they're trading haymakers back and forth, and this was like a little jab here and there. Now, typically, my group of friends, we get together and we watch the Super Bowl every year, but we're one of those groups that's like, we're really only watching the game for the commercials. <laughs> and and this year, not only did we not watch the game, but we pretty much just chatted through all of the commercials also. Like, I can't – I don't even remember one memorably good commercial. Um, I was a little excited for a few of the movie trailers, but not even in, like, a genuine way. Like, did you see the trailer for the uh, – Fast and Furious inspired yes. movie. I mean, was it Hobbs and Hobbs and Shaw? The first thing to say is we don't get the adverts here, but the but you can see them the next day. And I did watch all of the movie trailers and adverts. I'd already seen the Hobbs and Shaw trailer. It was exactly the same one that they put out on YouTube a couple of days beforehand, and it looks as stupid and as ridiculous as the Fast and the Furious movies. But I kind of feel that it's going to be like a poor photostat copy. Of, of one of those films. There were a couple of moments in the trailer that made me smirk, but overall I'm like, oh, here's, a, here's another franchise that's jumping the shark. Yeah, I was not super... I was excited in like the most cheesy way. I was like, ah, this will, I'll go see this for sure. But uh, I was not like... There was nothing about the trailer where I was like eyes wide open like I am usually for the Fast and Furious trailers. Um, I do already have my tickets for Alita Battle Angel. Yeah, next I mean, week. that does look pretty cool. Are you going to see it in 2D or 3D? I, I'm seeing it in 3D, not by choice, but because in the dome here at the Arclight, I bought tickets for opening night, and that's all they have. It's so, one of those and also, films, James which I Cameron think, knows how to do 3D. I was going to say, there are a few films which I think are enhanced by the 3D experience, and I think this might be one we can put in that group. Yeah, hopefully. Um, So my favorite part about the Super Bowl, though, is this is so fucking funny, James. So, James, when the Super Bowl is on, pretty much everyone in the world who likes sports is watching the Super Bowl, right? Yes. So what channel is no one watching during the Super Bowl? Any sports channel that is not showing the Super Bowl. Correct. In America, the biggest sports channel is ESPN. Exactly. And so, I believe this year CBS had the Super Bowl, so I imagine there was no one watching ESPN on Sunday. Like night. almost zero people are watching ESPN during the Super Bowl. Do you know what they ran on ESPN during the Super Bowl? Poker repeats. The World Series of Poker featuring Joe Stapleton. Oh, wow. And that to me is the funniest thing in the world that they put. <laughs> now, obviously, I know that it's not my show, but they put me on up against the fucking Super Bowl. Do you think someone was sitting in the tape library like, what shit have we got that we can just put on to yes. fill the hours that we don't care if people don't see? <laughs> like, like the least exposed, like the absolute lowest chance I have of anyone seeing my work ever is them airing it during the Super Bowl. Oh. And I could not find it funnier. Uh, Let's rewind the clock then, Joe, because the Super Bowl was last weekend. If we go back to December and the Christmas holidays, what did you see? 
Well, okay. So I actually thought I always go see a couple of movies during Christmas because I got to get out of the house. I got to stop talking to my parents. And my, my parents, as much as they are annoying, are usually pretty down to go see whatever. Uh, and But the choices at Christmas this year and also where I live, like if you live in New York or L.A. or London, you can see the good movies at Christmas time because they've started to release the, the yeah. Oscar movies, you know. Um, but in Albany, New York, you're only going to get the wide releases and so my choices were Holmes and Watson which on paper I was like okay and then I didn't even chuckle once at the trailer and it got some really terrible reviews so I skipped that and then it was Aquaman or Bumblebee and I think I probably would have chosen Aquaman of that choice I wish I had chosen Aquaman because I went and saw Bumblebee and it was getting good reviews and I was like this is not good. This I thought it was super lame. The, look, when there's robots fighting each other, really cool. Really, a couple of fantastic robot fighting sequences. Other than that, I really hated it. I did go see Spider-Verse again. Uh, <laughs> I thought there was, there was so little on offer that you went to see a film you'd already seen. But I loved it so much that I was happy to see it again. I took my dad and my girlfriend to see it, and my girlfriend really loved it. And my dad, I don't know if there's a... He just couldn't follow it. He just didn't know what was happening. He didn't know if it was a cartoon or if it was computers or what. So, and I think that that was something that's appealing about it to the younger generation and to the older generation. He didn't know what he was looking at. Bless. Uh, I've mentioned it before, but I will say it again. Everyone needs to watch the TV show Patriot. It is just the, maybe the best show. I, I don't know. Like, I know there's a lot of good shows out there, so I'm reluctant to say the best show I've seen in years, but I think it is. It is so good. The weird thing is, and just to leap ahead, I am watching a series on Amazon Prime at the moment, and one of the things that Amazon have started doing, which I'm not a fan of, is putting pre-roll ads at the start of every episode of every show I watch. Clearly, random It's not taking into account any of my viewing preferences or things I might like, but occasionally there will be a pre-roll for Patriot, and I would agree it does look good, and I I definitely put it on my list. But unfortunately, the show that mostly gets rammed down my throat by Amazon is the Top Gear ripoff, the new show with Jeremy Clarkson Uh, and those other idiots, which I have no desire to watch. I have to say, if I'm paying either a monthly or annual subscription fee for a video-on-demand service, I don't need their commercials at the start of every show. If you're binge-watching something, there is literally a commercial between every episode. Yeah, that's messed up. And I think that we're going to start seeing that more and more. I know Netflix was talking about doing that, running ads. And I remember seeing that this tweet being like, commercials, you guys... That's that's called a commercial. Well, they'll call them promos because they're cross-promoting their own content. It's not, strictly speaking, an outside commercial deal. But anyway, Patriot is on the list. So as a result of those sorts of commercials, actually, I watched Jack Ryan. See, don't um, say that because now they're going to think it's working and they'll keep doing it. Jack Ryan's not very good, though, and I've oh. kind of I've watched like four or five episodes and been like, meh. It's like it really reminds me of like a 1990s CBS drama. Like it's totally fine. They obviously spent money on it, but meh. I saw the trailer when it was first announced and i'm like oh, this looks a bit like network tv this looks like you know an ncis type show that i it's, don't need to see it's very networky i did watch two documentaries also which is uh, a lot for me uh, obviously everyone watched the fire festival documentary and i was 
kind of feeling bad that I I like to be up on just like the pop culture. So I watch it. It's fine. I don't think it's particularly revelatory or amazing. Uh, but I did watch a really interesting one called Three Identical Strangers. And I don't know if you've heard of this one, but it's about these uh, twin brothers who discover each other. Uh, and then they find there's a third one of them. And then they find that their separation at birth was not an accident. Wow. Uh, so I won't give away too much more about that. All uh, pretty interesting stuff. What about you? Um, over Christmas, I was into a lot of the films that Netflix have released recently. I know you you uh, extolled the virtues of The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Joe. I very much enjoyed that Coen Brothers movie. Oh, so it was good. awesome fun. Um, I thought Alfonso Horon's Roma was beautiful. Um, I think it's a, a masterpiece, and I'm glad it's receiving the recognition that it's currently receiving. Uh, quite is emotional it an actual places. Academy Award nominee? Yes, it is. And Quaron yeah. uh, is up for Best Director. It's also up for uh, Best Foreign Language Film. I believe that the 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 lead the lead is up for for Best Actress in a Leading Role. Um, this seems like exactly your kind of movie because it's in black and white and nothing happens for the first hour. Pretty much. But when stuff does happen, it's it's really quite moving. But it's look, I think Alfonso Juan is a brilliant filmmaker. Um, he made the best of the Harry Potter films. Children of Men is a very underrated science fiction film. And the more I look at it, the more I think, wow, that's an amazing flash forward to post-Brexit Britain. Well done, Alfonso. Um, Gravity, I think he received a, a justified amount of praise over. And this is another excellent film. There's some awesome analysis of Roma by Guillermo del Toro, by the way, where he talks about the visual style and what Quaron was clearly aiming for with this movie. Uh, but it definitely deserves to be seen. Um, on the flight back from the Bahamas, and I knew going in that you were not a fan, I watched Bird Box. Maybe it was because I was tired on an overnight flight, but despite the fact that I thought this is not very good, I actually quite enjoyed it and actually got really into it and was actually quite moved by it. It's definitely watchable, and the parts that work about it work. It's just one of those movies that when you think about it too hard, Don't you're like, about what it. a stupid movie. What a fucking dumb movie. Also, so many people have made the inevitable comparison to A Quiet Place, which I still yeah. haven't seen. So not being aware of that film meant I didn't have that kind of colored opinion going in. But there was much to enjoy about it. I think it's very watchable, even though you're absolutely right when you start thinking about it, you realize how superficial and stupid it actually is. It is watchable and it is pretty emotional too. Like obviously the, uh, you know, the children in it tug at your heartstrings. I'm going to give a bit of a spoiler here. So if you guys haven't seen bird box yet, skip this part, but about halfway through the movie, I'm watching it in a group, which I don't mind watching like a schlocky movie like this, like with a group where people are commenting here and there. And halfway through the movie, I'm just like, what about fucking blind people? <laughs> And that's the big reveal at the end. Um, another two movies watched on planes, uh, Black Panther, which I thought was fine. I don't quite understand why everyone's raving about it as much Thank as you. they are. It's 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 a decent standalone Marvel movie, but it's you know there it's are important. I get that it's important that to to give uh, you know black people and people of color their own superheroes and to feature them and to and, to, and women specifically okay. also in this movie if I, I think it's interesting that they've chosen black panther to be the superhero movie that they're putting up there for best picture why not wonder woman which i thought was a better film why not thor ragnarok which i enjoyed so much more than this 
I did, however, really like Avengers Infinity War. And generally, I've not been a huge fan of the Avengers movies. The first one was fine, but let's be honest, it was coasting on the novelty value, the novelty factor of bringing them all together. The second one was diabolical. This is really good. And when you consider how many characters and how many different storylines they're juggling, um, it could have been an ungodly mess. But actually, it was very, very good. And the ending took me by surprise took me completely I was, by surprise. I was a kind of a little bitch when I saw this movie and I walked out in the theater going, yeah, it was fine. It was okay. And then when I rewatched it, and I've seen it many times since then because there's always someone watching it on a plane, like yeah. no matter what flight I'm on. So I end up watching a lot of it, you know, when your, ours, your eyes like dart across to the other people's screens. And uh, now I'm like, you are such an idiot, man. That movie, what an undertaking. Like it really is a Marvel pun sort of intended uh, that they were able to accomplish that. And yes, the ending is is quite jarring and uh, uh, again emotional. The one thing I did not like, one thing I hated, is Peter Quill. I just d- didn't get that he would do that. Like that was really the they had him. They had him, James. They fucking had him, and Quill fucks it up. And I just couldn't quite reconcile that he would have fucked up everything just because he was so pissed off in that moment. Yeah. Um, I, I, it didn't bother me per se. Uh, schlocky TV that I'm currently watching on my commute season two of the Punisher, which is, I think slightly better than the first season, but still is it worth it. No, not if you've got other stuff to watch, to be brutally honest. It's like, yeah. how is this 13 episodes long? It's the same problem as the first season. You could condense this into eight episodes easily. Doesn't burn story quickly enough. Completely implausible, which I don't have a problem with, but just so dull in places. Too much talking. Too much unnecessary analysis and, 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 and navel-gazing and not enough action. Um, so if we want, there's a slight poker connection. If you end up loving the rest of The Punisher, the guy that plays the coroner uh, in The Punisher, his name is Joe Reitman. Uh, he's a poker player, a friend. Used to be married to Shannon Elizabeth, dated Annie Duke for a while. If for some reason we wanted to have him on as a guest, he'd be happy to do it. But maybe not if we don't love The Punisher. Uh, it's the, Look, as I said, the fact that I'm watching it tells you it's not completely without value. Uh, the show I am watching again, because I have seen all three seasons before, but I'm now watching at home because my, my wife hadn't seen it, is Mr. Robot. And I'm loving it as much the second time as I did the first time. It might be better the second time, yeah. right? Because you, you know actually what know what they're driving at and what they're talking about. Because that season, what was it, season three where it, where he... Season two is the one where he's actually in jail, yes. and you don't find out till season three. No, you find out midway through season two. That, like, even when they revealed that, I didn't quite get it. I oh. was like, wait, what? And you have to wait for the next episode for it to be fully kind of fleshed out. And then season three basically picks, goes back in time and picks up, like, what happened at the end of season one, but seen from another character's perspective. It's a very well written, very cleverly constructed show. Very much enjoying seeing that again. And finally. Um, and these are movies watched with kid, okay? Okay. <laughs> one negative, one positive. Now, when the stage show, Mamma Mia, first came on in London, I went to see it. This is back in 1998. And I thought, do you know what? It's, it's, it's very tongue-in-cheek. It's really stupid, but it's really enjoyable. And it's impossible not to like it. 
They then did the movie version 10 years later, and I remember thinking the same thing of the movie. It isn't great, but it's really fun, and you, you can't not like it. The only thing that stood out in my mind about the film was that Pierce Brosnan cannot sing and should not have been made to sing. Revisiting this film 11 years later, it's fucking atrocious. It has none of the charm of the stage show. It's like someone has staged an Amdram performance and filmed it on a video camera. It's horrible. Absolutely hated it. And to make up for it, I let my daughter watch Pitch Perfect, which probably has a few references in it, which aren't suitable for a 10-year-old. But she absolutely loved it. I absolutely love this movie. Very enjoyable. Pitch Perfect is is really, uh, really good, fun movie. Very funny. Uh, I, so I guess you haven't seen the Mamma Mia sequel then. No, I have no desire to see it based on having revisited the original. It's another movie that I've seen pretty much in its entirety on other people's screens on an airplane. Uh, and even without sound, I'm like, there's no way this movie could be good. I would agree. Um, okay, well, that's, I think, a pretty comprehensive summary of movies and TV shows. Um, let's get back to the pokers, shall we? Adventures in Online Poker! So while we were in the Bahamas, Joe, I think it was on the final day of the PCA main event, Six Plus Hold'em appeared in the client and was officially launched across most PokerStars licenses. The latest new variant, we know that PokerStars have been trying out some new games. Uh, some of them have been pretty successful, like Showtime, some of them like Unfold, not so much. This was a game that everyone was waiting for because Short Deck, as it's otherwise commonly known, has been played by many of the high rollers, by the likes of Antonius and Duan, and people have seen it on live streams from Asia. And it's a game that people realize, okay, this is pretty cool. There's plenty of action here. It's a very simple twist on an existing game. Let's try this out. Okay, here's what I'm worried about, though. Now, I think that a lot of times when people are resistant to change, it's because they're afraid that the thing that they know and love is going to go away. Is this going to replace regular old Texas Hold'em? Is this going to be, is this the future? Is this all we're going to be doing from now on? No, I don't even know whether this is going to be a permanent fixture in the PokerStars lobby because the other games disappeared after a few weeks. What I do know is that it plays like standard Hold'em with a few differences. The principal one principal one being, as the name suggests, any card lower than a six is removed from the deck. There are no deuces, no trays, no fours, no fives. And because of that, it makes one key change to the ranking of hands, which is a flush beats a full house. And that takes a slight kind of psychological block to be overcome because it's just so instinctive that when you have a flush and you're staring at a paired board you worry and really in six plus you only have to worry about quads um and of course with an ace being high and low and there being no five in the deck you can have an ace six seven eight nine straight which is also a little bit weird the game plays with everyone posting an ante and a single big blind posted by the button i mentioned a couple of weeks ago that i'd played a play money version but we were very keen to hear from poker in the ears listeners who've played the real money version what they thought uh, several people applied to come on the show joe and then when push came to shove none of them were available on a wednesday news alert <laughs> when we are asking for people to come on this podcast be it to review a game or be a super fan we record 
on a Wednesday. There is no point volunteering for anything if you can't do Wednesdays. But I'm pleased to say that we did get a couple of volunteers, uh, one of whom is Christopher Wathen, uh, who was a former superfan, who's actually started streaming on Twitch. He made a New Year's resolution, Joe, that he was going to start doing some live streams, uh, and he decided to give this game a go. Um, I spoke to both reviewers earlier on, uh, so let's hear what our Poker in the Ears reviewers thought of 6 Plus Hold'em. Hi, so I'm uh, Chris. I'm a former super fan and I'm from London. So I've played on a couple of different days, but I did a recent stream where I did a about two hour session for 600 hands. Uh, we finished up, I believe $2. So that was on the two cents empty tables. Actually getting to play it really got me to grips with like what good hands are, all the differences. And because they take antis from all players, Opening to the usual three big blinds or so is just completely um, useless. So you, you start learning to open to about uh, one and a half times pot or 1.2 times pot, uh, and you actually start getting some respect and some folds then. Well, just to pick up on the opening race size, I imagine the pots get quite big quite quickly then. Uh, they certainly can do, but it does help being very deep stacked. So having like 100 big blinds or I think the starting is usually 150 bigs. You have enough to actually be able to play. And the other thing you'll find is there's also a lot of limping going on. It actually works quite well in this format as it allows you to see the flops and, and see what you can get. And what about starting hands? Is it the same as standard hold'em or are there certain holdings which you should just ditch, which might have more value in a game with all the cards in the deck? I was actually going through the OP poker they have a Discord server with all the their recommendations on like good starting hands. Jack-10 suited is, um, I believe, the strongest hand you can have. The actual worst hand you can have in 6-plus is pocket sixes, because it just plays so poorly. Flopping a set, there's a much higher probability someone's going to have a higher set or a straight, so it's no longer worth playing your pocket sixes. When you then played that long session online, did you enjoy it at all or did you find it too taxing on the melon no i found it very enjoyable it was um it was nice to just uh, mix it up a bit playing the same old game sometimes can be a bit you just fall into routine you end up clicking buttons and you're not really thinking about what you're doing actually having that change and a bit of contrast it's much more enjoyable of you're thinking about what you're doing you're trying to reason more and working with the cars work out what you should do better. And finally, Chris, if you had to put a score out of 10 on 6-plus Holden, what would you give it? Definitely a 9 out of 10. I think there is a couple of bits could maybe be adjusted, but it's definitely the best of the games that Pokestars have brought out recently, so it's definitely up there. And if people want to watch your streams, I'll let you get a plug-in. Where should they go? Uh, it's the same as my uh, Pokestars handle, actually. It's uh, Satom1248. My next stream is going to be on Friday streaming the $11 Turbo Series 115k guarantee. Please tune in to my 6-plus stream, Christopher Walton. You see, one of the perceived advantages of recording that segment at a time when you weren't available was I thought we were going to be saved. <laughs> from that oh, i didn't look i didn't want to do it any more than you wanted me to do it but i just you know you can't you can't leave it on the table 
So a pretty positive review from Chris. Let's get the views of reviewer number two. Hi, my name's Ben. I'm ringing in from uh, Stroud in Gloucestershire. I've played a little bit. I've had a, a, a session here or there. I've not really got to grips with the game. I actually was fortunate enough to play earlier uh, this month, end of last month, with some so-called ambassadors, some of the, the pros on uh, the PokerStars site. Uh, i got to say, less than impressed. I love the game. Uh, I think 6 Plus is, is a really fun format, but there's a lot of there's a lot of luck involved, right? Equities are running close, and I, I think I played pretty close to perfectly pre-flop. But some of the ambassadors there on the site, I don't think they've quite got to grips with the the new equities of hands yet. Um, they're making a lot of misplays, or certainly they were against me. Um, things didn't go my way, I suppose, in, in my first experience of the game. But I, I'm certainly hoping things will turn around. Well, the first reviewer we spoke to, Ben, made a small profit playing 6+. Plus. Uh, how much money have you made playing this new variant? The thing any poker player understands is you can't look at results in the short term. And I don't want to come on here and bore everybody with wins and losses and net losses and whether or not I am down five buy-ins in a couple of hundred hands. That isn't important. Oh, and, um, and he's gone. Reviewer number two, Ben, huh? What a jerk. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stakes. This week, we welcome to the Poker in the Ears podcast, Mr. Brad Morrison. Greetings, Brad. Greetings, Joe. And That's shit. Oh, I was going to say, you can't, you can't forget James. He's... He's my work wife. I give him the big warm welcome and you're the one who gets the greeting. Brad, your name is very familiar to us. We have received many tweets from you over the years and we appreciate your loyalty to the stuff that we do. Uh, I enjoy your program. Long time uh, viewer and don't always engage as much as I'd like to, but uh, been watching you for years now. Brad, what are you doing when you're not engaging with Poker in the Ears and or PokerStars TV? Um, most of the time I'm working, I'm a criminal defense attorney up here in Illinois. Wow, that's cool. I'm going to suggest, Brad, that you have the coolest job in superfan history. You might, in fact, be the first person who's not involved in IT support or product development. Um, are you a, a public defender or are you the private kind who makes serious dime? Uh, no, I'm a public defender. I do not make serious dime. Hey man, that's fucking awesome. That's really cool. I've, uh, you know, obviously we've all heard a lot of stories about uh, how hard you guys work and how, you know, a lot of it is pretty thankless and brutal. It, it, are those stories accurate? Um, for the most part, the best description I could give my job is interesting. <laughs> An all-encompassing word. Uh, and Brad, being in the state of Illinois, I'm afraid online poker is not a thing for you. And that means that we can't potentially reward you with an EPT Sochi satellite ticket. However, we do have varying levels of PokerStar swag. And I uncovered something really cool that was in the official PSPC player bag. So here's the deal. As you know, by coming on the podcast, you're going to get some PokerStar socks. Yay! But by winning Superfan versus Stapes, we can upgrade you to a water bottle that has a built-in Bluetooth speaker. Have you seen this thing, Joe? I have not opened the player bag, but that sounds pretty cool. 
it is pretty cool and it's PSPC branded and bear in mind there were not many player bags given out so it's a pretty cool piece of merch uh, and Brad you have chosen as your specialist subject the UFC and for that we thank you very on brand considering the partnership that we have with the UFC it's crazy all of a sudden James like I'd say within like the last 60 days I've become a huge UFC fan <laughs> <laughs> Joe knows which side of his bread is buttered. Um, so you are one of those people for whom the deal was ideal, Brad, because I take it you're a fan of both poker and MMA. Uh, I am. I've actually been watching UFC since I started in 93. Uh, that was the first question, by the way. So you get two points, Brad. <laughs> I'm serious. That was question one, the founding year of the UFC. Um, I will... First of all, I will allow it, but I was thinking that, you know what, Brad, can I just take the plea deal uh, <laughs> where you can have the win and I'll just take, is, is there a deck of cards in the bag, James? Uh, not right now, no. Okay. All right. I was going to say that would be my plea deals. I just want the deck of cards, but it's fine. James, James watched me at the end of the, uh, the PSPC this year. Um, take about 20 decks of cards from the welcome desk on my way out the door. <laughs> They're useful gifts, quote, unquote. Uh, just very quickly, Brad, before we do launch into this UFC quiz proper, um, do you actually get the chance to play much poker, considering I imagine that your job is pretty demanding? Uh, not as much as I used to before Black Friday. Um, <laughs> yeah. We still, every now and then, I'll uh, run to a, a charity event we have here. And also, I am the 2012 World Defender Poker Champion. World Defender Poker Champion. Please explain. Yeah. Uh, every year in Las Vegas, there was a um, what they call the Public Defender Retreat where we do uh, seminars. And then at the end, there's a poker tournament held at the Mirage that I won in 2012. That's really cool, man. Oh, trust me. It was pure luck, Joe. It was uh, nothing to do with any skill. Oh, no. That is all of poker as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> hey, remember, it's skill when you win. It's luck when you lose. Okay. So we are going to launch into this quiz. Now... I outsource this to a genuine UFC fan in our team, Paul Action Jackson, not that one. Um, and he did structure it with easier questions for Joe. So the odd-numbered questions go to Brad, the even-numbered questions go to Joe. And we just had that huge spoiler. The first question was relating to the founding year of the UFC. Brad is already up 2-0. So we start with question number two, and we start with you, Joe. And remember, you can get two points if you don't need the options, but if you need those multiple choices, the score reduces to one point. Joe, can you name the youngest champion in UFC history? I cannot. Would you like the options? Yes, please. Do you think it's John Jones, Conor McGregor, Max Holloway, or Jose Aldo? I think it is Jose Aldo. It is not. It is John Jones. So the score remains 2-0. And Brad, it's now your second question. Uh, but the first I'm actually going to ask officially. Uh, which fighter holds the record for most wins in the UFC? Oh my gosh. I just saw this. I'm going to have to go with the choices. Okay, and I apologize for poor pronunciations or anglicization of any of these names. Michael Bisping... <laughs> Donald Cerrone, Georges St-Pierre, or Demian Meyer? 
Uh, I think it's because he's fought so many. I think it's Donald Cerrone. It is Donald Cerrone who has 22 wins. So that's worth one point. You're three Bye, more up. Cerrone. Uh, Joe, your second question. Which fighter has the nickname the Iceman? I should know this one. Which fighter? I'm just going to give it a quick think here. Try to go for two. The Iceman. I probably know. Give me the choices. Is it Chuck Liddell, Brock Lesnar, Kane Velasquez, or Randy Couture? Kane Velasquez. No, it's Chuck Liddell. Huh. Brad, your next question. Which fighter has the nickname Showtime? Anthony Pettis. Correct, for two points. And you're five nil up. <laughs> oh, man. I, I just want to go on record is that I, I tried for this to not go to trial. <laughs> I, did, I did try to plead down. And, uh, okay, continue on with the shellacking. Uh, your question, Joe. What did Brazilian fighter Fabrizio Verdum throw at Colby Covington during an argument? <laughs> Go ahead. Was it a drink, a table, a boomerang, or a punch? A drink. No, it was a boomerang. Oh, man. If there's did a you know that, Brad? Actually, I did not. I thought it was a drink. If there's this a bullshit, then I'm getting questions that Brad doesn't even know. If there's a weird <laughs> option available, take it. Uh, Brad, now this is multiple choice. You can still score two points, but I have to give you the options because the question is which of the following is not a real MMA submission move? The banana split, the Peruvian necktie, the razorback chokehold, or the calf slicer? The third one that Razorback. Correct. The Razorback chokehold is not a real move, whereas the banana split and the Peruvian necktie are. Joe, which of the following is legal in a UFC fight? Hair pulling, pile driving, kicking a downed opponent, or headbutting? Uh, okay, the first one is not legal. Hair pulling is not legal. What what is the second choice? Pile driving. Pile driving. I, I. Okay. Next. Kicking a downed opponent. Kicking a downed opponent is legal. Correct. Uh, there is a hashtag Woo! fun fact attached to this. You cannot kick a downed opponent in the head. That seems fair. I mean, well, you know, you gotta, you gotta have some rules. Uh, so going into the final round, uh, I have Brad on a sizable lead. Uh, Brad, your question is, who holds the record for the quickest knockout in a title fight? Uh, Conor McGregor. And do you happen to know what the record is? It was under 30 seconds. He knocked out Jose Aldo. I don't remember how quick. I can tell you it was 13 seconds. Uh, but you still get the two points because you correctly identified the fighter. And Joe, your final question, who holds the record for the longest win streak in UFC history? Uh, Gracie. Would you like the options? Sure. I mean, I had to take it. Look, I had to go for it. Go for it. <laughs> Anderson Silva, John Jones, yeah. Georges St-Pierre, or Demetrius Johnson? Anderson Silva. Correct. For 16. And that means you I score... Knew, I knew it was a, a Brazilian-sounding name. Sure. Uh, <laughs> you have four points, Joe. Not bad, but Brad, you have nine points, which is substantially better, which means you have crushed this game of Superfan versus Stapes, and it does mean that in addition to the Lucky Star Socks, we are going to send you the PSPC Water Bottle Bluetooth Speaker Combo. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming on the show, and, uh, and keep up the good work. 
Will do. Yeah, Brad, we appreciate you, man, both uh, both as super fan, but also for what you're putting out into the world. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. All right, my babies, we are almost out of time for this week's show. We do have a few tweets to get through, Joe, before we sign off from episode 143. Uh, a few people, including Roy Muir, have tweeted about episode 142 and specifically a hand history, Joe, <laughs> where you talked about... I mean, I have to take equal blame because I didn't spot this when you mentioned it. I believe yeah. it was Jack 8 versus 8, and yeah. somehow two eights came down on the board, which would mean there were five eights in the deck. So it seems that your hand history may have had one too many eights. Yeah, yep, uh, that's that's on me. Uh, I just... I. A couple people tweeted at me, and I was like, yep, I'm dumb. <laughs> I am dumb. If you guys remember, that was – I don't know if I mentioned it on air or not. I was waiting for a friend to come in uh, from out of town that night, and she ended up getting in at like 4 o'clock in the morning, and we record like a little after 6, and I just was like, nah, I'm just not going to sleep. So that one's on me, guys. Yeah, to be fair, Roy says don't sweat it. I struggle to remember the details of a hand I've literally just played. Don't we all, Roy? And that is why Apple created the Notes app in the iPhone. Um, Starship Troopers, by the way, is the specialist subject that Roy cool. is nominating if he comes on as a superfan. Uh, more people looking to be superfans include MBN. He wants to re-up his application to be a superfan and talk about high-stakes poker. Now, MBN is in the doghouse. Because oh. a year and a half ago, MBN was meant to come on the podcast and be our Casino Royale superfan. And MBN overslept and missed the call. But if I'm going to forgive Joe Stapleton for oversleeping and missing a podcast, I have to forgive MBN. So this will go on the list. Uh, Paul Cunningham uh, enjoyed the last episode. Enjoyed the appearance of Clayton Fletcher, and he wants to appear on Superfan vs. Stapes, answering questions about the untouchables. It's the main reason I stopped disliking Stapes. Hashtag Gary Turnbuckle, never forget. It seems like a like a mishmash of references there. I think maybe because we've talked about the untouchables, and I said how much I like it, that made him stop disliking me. But anyway, Paul, you know what? I'm actually going to try to beat Paul just because of that. Just because of that comment. Don't worry, Paul. By the time we actually get around to having you on the podcast, he'll have completely forgotten about this conversation. And <laughs> Evil Roy, I'm pleased to say that the uh, Turbo Series free roll take two actually ran. And Evil Roy says, thanks for running the Turbo Series free roll, guys. I will try to put the $22 ticket to good use. Uh, thanks to everyone who took part. Congrats to everyone who cashed and earned themselves a ticket. I hope you're enjoying the Turbo Series and hopefully we'll be able to do one of those free rolls again soon. All right, so next time, I'm going to have some interesting things to talk about next week, James. I decided that I was going to try to run my own home game at the behest of Josh Molina, and so I wrote to his friends that we all played with, and I wrote to a couple of my friends. I wrote to about 10 people thinking that I would get, you know, a bunch of people be like, oh, I don't want to come to Hollywood, blah, blah, blah. Everyone said yes i'm probably going to be having a 10 handed home game at my house monday night featuring josh molina and a couple of other actors and and hollywood people so i should be able to talk about that on next week's show also uh 
we'll get into more detail about this next week, but I'm raising money <laughs> to play in my biggest ever poker tournament. So uh, we'll talk about both of those things next week. Do not sleep on this podcast, my baby. Subscribe to the show. I had lots of people this week say, how do I listen to your show? When is the new episode of the show coming out? What? Subscribe. Click subscribe. It automatically downloads. It alerts you when there are new episodes. Please subscribe to the show. And if wh- whatever platform you're listening on, you know, hit that little like button. I think uh, iTunes has a like feature. You can review us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. They all have ways that you can just click a couple of buttons, leave us a nice review, leave us a comment. We get in that algorithm. We can get uh, in more people's ears. Uh, and have you been getting someone you know? Who likes poker to start listening in 2019? If you have, we would love to, to hear about it and uh, and feature you on the show and say what's up to you on the show. We've got lots of super fans coming up, but we will always need more of those. Anything you want to speak to us about on the show, don't just at me. Don't just at James. Use the hashtag poker in the ears and also let us know who you want to have as guests. Once again, who do you want to hear from? That is all the time we've got for this week's show. However, for James Hardigan and Joe Stapleton, who is me... I am saying, smell you later.